0: God guided resource for all things truth and all things kingdom based on the word of God and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned for this week's spiritual truth. Hey guys, welcome back to War in the Spirit. I am doing the podcast on the video today but it'll also be audio on my normal podcast platform too but i'll be posting it to my youtube channel at war in the spirit live also to my instagram at faith coffin green and um it'll also be on the pod war in the spirit podcast platforms on amazon music spotify um apple podcast google podcast um and many other, uh, most of the other major podcast platforms. So you can find it here, but welcome back. It's been a while since I've done an actual podcast, so I'm kind of excited um, to jump back in. I kind of miss doing podcasting, but you are tuned in for a brand new episode of War in the Spirit podcast, and it is entitled Don't Get It Twisted. So, you know, as God was giving me this message and talking to me about what he wanted me to tell you guys about today, I was thinking about this morning, I was laying in the bed and I was kind of scrolling on Instagram and I saw this, um, I saw this post that said, some of you would have told David to pray for Goliath and not cause a scene. If God tells me to slay some giants, that's what I'm going to do. And it's so funny because um, and I'm kind of in a time in my life where God is kind of having me in that role where it's a less passive role and it's a more provocative role. It's one where he's sending me into places and spaces to kind of provoke some things and to stir some things up. And so he wanted me to give this message today and it's entitled, Don't Get It Twisted, because I think that so many of us do get it twisted when we think about the truth and the way that God does a thing. And we think about who God is and, and his role in our lives and the way that he operates. And I think that so often we forget that God is such a multifaceted God. And the way that he does things is not just one way. There are multiple ways for him to accomplish something. And so as I was thinking about this meme, it made me think about, it did take me to David. And I went to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is verses 45 through 47. And it said, but David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a saber. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom whom you have defied this day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you and remove your hands, your head from you. Then I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword or by spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will hand you over to us. You see, here's the thing that I think we forget that God is not a a passive God, that that God is not always a coddling God, that God is not always a loving God. God is also a fighter. And it says the battle is the Lord's. And sometimes God has to mount up a battle in our lives. He has to stir some stuff up to get us to come to the truth. He has to stir some stuff up to get us, to, to convict us, to provoke us, to change, to shift, to move. And I think sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm just supposed to pray or you just need to pray for that person. And sometimes you need to speak. Sometimes when you see that something is wrong or you see that something is off, God may give you a warrant to go to that person and say, look, I noticed this. We are supposed to hold each other accountable and we get so caught up in trying to be patient and kind that we miss the opportunity to hold someone accountable, to convict them, to change, to shift, to come closer to God. See, because we want to think about getting closer to God and it's always about praying, but that's not necessarily it. Sometimes getting closer to God is about shifting, It's about changing. It's about moving. And the way that God brings about shift and change and move is not always comfortable. It's not always patient. It's not always kind. Sometimes it's provocative. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Because sometimes it's abrasive. Because that's often what provokes change. You see, and so many of us, man, if you listen to my podcast, you've, you've heard the the message that I did about secrets in the kingdom and how I was talking about there are too many secrets in the kingdom. And there are too many of us that are keeping all of these things hidden and buried, hurts and wounds and issues. I've also done a podcast called Wounds Undressed. And what happens when we leave our wounds and our hurts and our issues undressed because we're trying to be patient and kind with each other because we don't want to rock the boat because we don't want to say anything because we don't want to make each other uncomfortable. But sometimes that's exactly what we need. You see, we all got giants in our lives that are blocking us from our promise. And many of these giants look like previous traumas. Many of these giants look like church hurt. Many of these giants look like relationship issues. Many of these giants look like wounds, afflictions. But we're so busy going, well, I'm just going to pray that we don't want to face the giants. But the giants are what's, what's guarding the promise. And when you get past those giants and you face them and you allow God to knock them down, you're going to be able to get to your promise. And it it took me to the promised land specifically when uh, Moses, Numbers chapter 13, it says, this is verse 25, it says, when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they went on. And came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So they reported to him and said, we came into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And indeed, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev. Negev, The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living on the hill. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of Jordan. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it for we will certainly prevail over it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people because they are too strong for us. So they brought a bad report of the land, which they had spied out to the sons of Israel saying, Jesus, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are people of great stature. We saw the Nephilim and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. So God has placed the land that they've seen is flowing with milk and honey. And because they've seen the giants That are in the land and all of the obstacles that stand before the land, they have decided that they're going to lie and say that the land is not good land. That they're going to lie and say that the land is not fruitful. How many of us are lying to ourselves about what God has for us because we're afraid of the giants that stand between us? And the inheritance and the purpose that God has for us. How many of us are lying to ourselves about the truth of what is available to us as believers because we're afraid to address the giants in our lives? How many of us are allowing other people to forfeit their inheritance because their inheritance because we are afraid to address their giants or to even help them address their giants because that might rock the boat? Because that might make somebody upset, because it might make them uncomfortable. But I I come to tell you, that's what we're supposed to do sometimes. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, it says, Jesus is telling them, do not think I came to bring peace on on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be the members of his household. The one who loves Father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and the one who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and the one who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me the one who has found his life will lose it and the one who has lost his life on my account will find it you see too many of us are too busy trying to maintain these relationships That we're not facing the giants that stand before us. And I come to tell you that the true love, true love is for you to love those people enough to want them to receive the fullness of what God has for them. And if that means you make some stuff uncomfortable between the two of you, fine. I tell people all the time, what I say to you, the truth that God might have me to bring to you might make you mad at me. But I'd rather you be mad with me and aligned with God's will and receive everything that he has for your life than for me and you and me to be good and you to not be good with God. That's a sacrifice that I'm willing to make. You want to be mad at me? That's fine. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what you need to address so that you can get to the place where God has for you because I love you that much. That's real love. And so many people have come to me and said, oh, you know, God has had me in a season where He has silenced me, where He has pulled me away, even from my family. He's like, uh uh, be quiet. Uh uh, step away. Uh uh, pull back. Don't answer the phone. Don't do that. Don't do that and it's been difficult for me but I understand that God needed to remove me so that he could come into that space and do something that he was using me as a provocation for those people to face the giants in their life and you know what I'm willing to make that sacrifice no I do not like it yes it's uncomfortable no the people yes the people got something to say and they think oh you not you're not doing right and this isn't love but let me tell you my Bible says love rejoices with the truth and if God is trying to to bring the truth to you so that you can be set free and if he has to do it through me and I have to make a sacrifice in our relationship and you can you gotta be mad at me in order for that to happen fine I don't care I love you enough because I want you to be set free we got it twisted we're sitting back and you know what the crazy thing is we're sitting In rooms with each other, kikiing and laughing and having all these jokes. But in the back of our minds, in the back of our hearts, we've got contempt with each other. We've got contempt towards each other. We're offended with each other. But everybody can't, everybody's so afraid to say something or bring it up because they're afraid to hurt each other's feelings. There ain't nobody getting healed from it. So all these relationships that we think we're maintaining are broken. They are built on brokenness. And God is trying to tear them down so that he can build something that's built on a a foundation that is not broken. You know, I used to pray this prayer and I used to pray that God would be the glue that holds my family together. And then I realized, wait a minute, glue holds together broken stuff. I don't like that prayer anymore. I don't want no broken stuff in my life. I don't want no broken relationships in my life. God, I don't want you to be the glue that holds together broken stuff. So then I begin to say, God, tear down all the broken stuff and rebuild it so it's not broken. But we don't want to face those giants. So we can't get rid of the broken stuff. So we're just using God as a glue. See, it's just like like a renovation. God has to, you, you have to tear down what's broken, what's messed up, what's old in order to build something new and make it new. And that's what God wants to do. But we don't want to be uncomfortable during the tear down. We don't want to yield to it. We just want to have all this false love for each other. A love that's not even truly based in what the Bible says love is. See, we, we think that if we hug and we kiss each other and that that if we have conversations with each other on a regular basis and that, that if we say we love each other, that that's love, but that's not love. Love is truly wanting each other to be the best version of ourselves. Do you love your people enough to do that? Are you willing to make that sacrifice for them to do that? If that means God tells you to sit down or to disconnect for a time or a season so that he can work on them. Because maybe you're being a crutch to them right now. Maybe he needs them to not be able to lean on that crutch. Maybe he needs them to lean on him. But because it's hard or because it may rock the boat or because it may make you look like the villain or because they may not like it. We are letting all these giants stand between our promises and, and between us and our promises. We are leaving our inheritances on the table. We are leaving our prosperity, our joy, our peace, our true love for each other on the table because we got all these wounds standing in between us and that stuff because we got all these unspoken things standing in between us and that stuff and we're telling ourselves that if we bring that stuff to the light it's gonna break some stuff down well you know what it's supposed to break some stuff down because you can't get nothing new until you get rid of the old stuff don't get it twisted You see, God will provoke us to bring out the truth. And sometimes God needs one of you to be the person to provoke someone to bring out the truth. Somebody has to be the bigger man. And the bigger man is not always the one that remains silent. Sometimes the bigger man or the bigger woman is the one that has the courage enough to put the truth on the table. And force people to face it and to confront it. Because that's the only way that true healing can occur. But we keep on running from these giants. We keep on getting it twisted. We keep on saying that if we just pray and believe. It's gonna be all good, but sometimes you got to move. Your faith without the works of God is dead. And when I say that, I I feel like so many people misuse that scripture. And we think that it's the work of our hands that that has to back up our faith. But no, sometimes it's the work of our hearts, sometimes it's the work of our mouths, sometimes it's the work of our feet, sometimes. That work looks different. It doesn't. Al- it doesn't always have to do with you putting your hands to something and doing some practical work. Sometimes the work is spiritual. Sometimes the work is relational. See, part of the reason that so many of us are out of position is because everyone is afraid to rock the boat. Afraid to speak the truth, afraid to shake things up. But in these times, a shakeup is exactly what we need because too many of us remain asleep and oblivious to the presence and the tricks and the attacks of the enemy. And this is the other thing we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. And against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, the enemy is clever. The enemy is clever. And so many of us are so busy being in offense with each other. Being wounded and angry with each other that we can't see what's truly at work it's the enemy there are spirits swirling around you and your household and your relationships and your people and the people that you love that are influencing offense and hurt and trauma and confusion but because we're so busy just looking at each other we can't see what's really going on and you can't bring The right weapons to the fight when you can't, when you don't even know what you're truly fighting. How do you do that? You can't fight something. You can't, it's like bringing a a knife to a gunfight. But because we're so busy being caught up in the practicality of things. We can't fight with the right weapons. We are bringing the weapons of offense. We are bringing the weapons of hurt and woundedness. We are bringing the weapons of silence. And don't none of those weapons work. Because we are fighting a spiritual battle. Everything is spiritual. Let me tell you again, everything is spiritual. Every obstacle, every hardship, every situation that you face in your life is spiritual. When you get angry, it's spiritual. When you get frustrated, it's spiritual. When you get depressed, it's spiritual. When you get bitter, when you resentment, when you're resentful, it's spiritual. When you're sad, it's spiritual. All of it is spiritual. When you're greedy, when you're prideful, it's spiritual. All of that is spiritual. But because we can't recognize that the enemy is placing all of these landmines around us in the form of spirits, we can't fight. David knew that it wasn't rocks that he was bringing to that battle to fight that giant. He knew that those rocks were just a, a a a a a a tool. But they weren't the thing that was actually fighting the battle. David knew that in order to beat this giant, he needed to bring God with him. He understood that it was a spiritual battle. Don't get it twisted. And the rest of Ephesians chapter 6 this is starting at verse 13 after it talks about how we don't struggle against flesh. or it says we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of weakness in heavenly places. This is what we're fighting against. We're not fighting against people. We are fighting against spirits. And because we don't understand that, because we don't embrace that, we're not fighting efficiently. We are losing battle and then verse 13 says therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day and having done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having belted your waist with the truth number one that's number one in the armor of God the truth See, we don't want to face the truth, but that's the number one way to fight the enemy in your life, to put down the giants in your life. Having belted your waist with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, that means now you gotta to start to change some stuff. That means you can't keep walking the way that you've been walking. That means you gotta make some different decisions. You gotta you gotta stop moving in your old ways. Armor up and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know how you come to peace? Truth. Because his word says, "In the truth." shall set you free I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the father but by me and if Jesus is the truth then why are we so afraid of the truth the truth isn't the giant David did, Saul tried to give David his armor, and David did not need that practical armor. See, all of us have been trying to put up armor walls against people, keeping people out of our hearts, our minds, and our spirits because we've been broken, because we've been hurt before. We got all this church hurt, and we decide, oh, I don't want to go back to church because I'm still hurt, I'm still wounded, and I don't want to get wounded again. But see, baby, that armor ain't keeping you protected. See, the only uh, he understood that the only armor that he needed was the full armor of God to bring down those giants. And that's what you need too. The full armor of God to bring down those giants. And the faith, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows. You see, so many times we're afraid to go and rock the boat because we're afraid of what people are going to say. We're afraid of how people are going to react. We're afraid of of what people are going to think. That's how the arrows penetrate you, because you don't trust that God is going to protect you, that if you do what he tells you to do, that if you face those giants, your faith is the thing. That's going to keep the arrows from penetrating. That's going to extinguish those arrows. You see, truth is the antidote for offense. But we're so busy. not paying attention to the way that the enemy is operating and on the outside we're maintaining these broken relationships but what's happening is we're just putting band-aids on stuff that's infected and a band-aid can't do nothing for no infection and we're pretending and telling ourselves that it's healed because we're laughing and we get together and we go to brunch and we have dinner together and we watch movies and we do all of this stuff meanwhile when we go into our closet when we get by ourselves we're still broken we're still hurt we're still offended with each other why because nobody wants to put the truth on the table because everybody's got it twisted and that's that's the trick of the enemy. He wants you to believe that everybody's gonna blame you that everybody's gonna say that you're the one that you stirred up some mess that you caused the scene but if you trust God he's gonna back it all up it may not always be easy. But it must be done. This is why the kingdom is so discombobulated, misaligned, disobedient. Why so many people are not walking in their purpose. Because there are too many secrets in the kingdom. There are too many things remaining hidden that need to be exposed. Wouldn't you rather just be Exposed and be transparent and let it all free so you don't got to carry all that stuff anymore. You know how heavy secrets are? John 10, 9 and 10 says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. See, the enemy is trying to steal your inheritance. He's trying to kill your true identity. He's trying to destroy you and who God created you to be by making you believe that the truth Is the enemy that stands before you, but it's not. And I am a living witness that the truth will set you free. And when you begin to confront and acknowledge the truth, those giants that have been standing between you and your freedom will be brought down. It's not always comfortable. I'm sure David was like, Okay, God, I trust you and I'm going to go out here, but I'm sure he has some thoughts that was like, okay, Lord, all right, this dude is kind of big, but but I trust you. That's how you, even if you got to go forward like that, God, I'm a little concerned about this or God, I don't know what this looks like or God, I, I'm a little afraid, but I'm going to trust you anyway. Just do it. He's got you. There are so many relationships when when Jesus says he he comes to turn uh, mother against daughter and father against son. is not saying that he wants us to be at odds with each other. But what he is saying is you can't love them more than you love him. That you can't want to be comfortable in those relationships more than you want to live and walk in the truth. That sometimes God will send us to be at odds, to provoke something in the people that we love and we care about to bring forth the truth and to set people free. (laughs) You know, last night we were, I was was led to go back and watch the movie War Room and then In the movie War Room, I don't, I'm sure many of you have seen it, but um, there's an older lady and she encounters this younger woman who's her real estate agent and and she begins to enlighten this woman because this woman says to her, well, you know, I believe in God and I go to church occasionally and she says to her, okay, well, what's your prayer life like? And she says, "Well, well, you know it's okay and what this woman doesn't realize is that she's been fighting in a practical way she's having issues in her marriage and all of these things are going on in her life and the older the older woman tells her baby you've been fighting the wrong way you don't know how to fight you you know how to war you warring against each other you warring against your husband you warring against these circumstances in your life you're warring against the people and you don't understand that you need to be warring against spirits you know that's exactly why god had me name this podcast war in the spirit because we need to be enlightened about what we're actually fighting so that we can fight efficiently. You see, the the army of God can't go out on the battlefield if they don't know the enemy that they're fighting. If you're going out with the wrong strategy because you don't understand the enemy because you haven't done recon, because you haven't studied the enemy because you don't know, what type of army are you going to be? You're going to be a losing battle, even before you step out on the battlefield, we have got to learn to war in the spirit, we have got to learn to see things for what they truly are, we have got to learn to bring the right weapons to the fight. We got it twisted. It is my charge to teach people how to war in the right ways and how to come to the fight with the right weapons. We are so busy getting offended with each other. When someone brings the truth to light, then we can't be set free by those truths. And it brings me to 1 Peter chapter 2. This is verses 4 through 11 and it says, And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. See, Jesus was rejected by people. He was bringing the truth. And I'm sure at points it was uncomfortable and it was frustrating. But God backed him up. It says, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. See, you're a living stone just like Jesus. Just like those stones that that God threw at those giants. Sometimes you have to be the stone that he's throwing at the giant to bring it down. You are a living stone that he needs to use to bring down giants. But you can't be afraid. And you have to trust that you will not be put to shame. That God is backing you up. That when you step out and you stand on the truth, he's got your back. This precious value then is for you who believe, but unbelievers, a stone which the builders rejected is become the chief cornerstone. And the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this they were also appointed. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, we stumble over offense. We stumble over each other because we're disobedient to his word. See, we want to cherry pick the parts of the word that we want to live by and the parts of the word that we want to walk by. But the Bible is a complete work. The word of God is a complete work. Work, you can't accept some of it and reject other parts of it. (sighs) See, that rock that he places before you can either be a precious cornerstone, a point to step up on and elevate, or a place to stumble and fall. That depends on you, your posture, your heart, your obedience to being who God has called you to be, to doing what God has called you to do. To walk in his word and live in his righteousness and take up his armor. But we're stumbling over each other and we're offended with each other. Because we're not fully armored up. John 8, 31 and 32 says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue again in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you It's time to arm up. It's time to take up the truth, to walk in righteousness, to stop letting these giants stand between you and who God created you to be, to stop letting these giants stand between your brother and who who God created your brother or your sister to be, to stop living below our purpose because we're afraid of the truth. First First Corinthians 13, I'm going to start at verse four. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked, does not keep an account of wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You see, the problem is we read the love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love does not brag part. But we don't want to read the part that says love rejoices with the truth. We skip that over. We skip the parts about the truth and then we villainize anyone who speaks the truth because we're not ready to face it. We got it twisted because it did not come in a pretty package. But, but let me help you, sometimes the truth is not meant to make you feel good. It's meant to push you, to convict you, to uncover what you have been trying to keep hidden. Even Jesus didn't always present the truth in a pretty feel-good package. And I'm going to go back up to 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, I'm going to go, this is verse 9. It says, for we know in part... Oh, no, I'm going to go back to verse 8. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. Then I became a man. I did away with the childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have fully been known. But now faith, hope, and love remain these three. But the greatest of these is love. You see, true love is to see the fullness, to acknowledge the fullness. Of who you are not just the parts that you want everybody to see that are favorable to love yourself is to also recognize your faults your shortcomings and allow them to be exposed So that you can be made whole again, not to bury them and allow them to put you to shame and allow them to keep you in hiding. That's why so many of us are not using our voices like we're supposed to, because we're afraid that when we start to speak up, people will start to put a spotlight on us. And we're afraid that when people put a spotlight on us, they're going to see something that we don't want them to see. But if you put all that stuff on the table before God, When he's ready to put you in the spotlight They're not going to see anything but him Blameless and spotless Because he'll wipe all that mess away He's just waiting for you to put it on the table for him He's just waiting for you to stop being afraid of that giant in your life The thing that you've been hiding The secret that you've been keeping Whatever that is He's waiting for you to stop hiding Not only so that you can fully love yourself and re embrace your kingdom identity and your purpose, but also so you can fully receive God's love because God will. wounds. You don't have to carry that stuff. He wants to wipe it away. See, children operate in offense. It's up to us. It says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child and think like a child and reason like a child reason like a child but when i became a see when you grow up in the spirit you'll stop acting like a babe see it's babes in christ who operate in offense it's babes in christ who are afraid of the giants who are afraid to let God expose and do away with the secrets and the things that we've been hiding and the mistakes and the shame and whatever you've been carrying. It's babes. See, because when you grow up and you mature, you stop acting like a child. But then face to face, I now know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. See, God is trying to get you to fully know yourself. He fully knows who you are already. But because you got all these giants, you can't see the fullness of the identity that he's created for you which means you can't receive the fullness of the promise and the inheritance and the purpose that he has for your life. It's time to bring down the giants. See, because all these gifts and, oh, we prophesy and we preach and we pray and we do all of this stuff, but you know what it says? All of those things will be done away with. When well, we can't operate in the fullness of love. We can't just cherry pick the parts of love that we want and that feel good to us. See, because the fullness of God's love encompasses all of this. Jesus, like I said, didn't even always present the truth. In a pretty package and we want everything to come in a pretty feel good package in John 14 6 Jesus said hey <laughs> I oh, no, I'm sorry in Matthew uh, sixteen twenty three, it says but he turned to Peter and said get thee behind me Satan you are a stumbling block to me for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes but men's now this is Peter this is Jesus' inner circle. You know, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John everywhere. Peter is part of the inner circle. And Jesus is telling Peter, get thee behind me because you become a stumbling block to me. And sometimes that's what we need to do in our relationships. We have to begin to take inventory of the truth. Because the truth is, even though he loved Peter, he understood that Peter was not setting his mind on God's purpose and that Peter in that moment was a stumbling block because Peter is like, oh no, Jesus, we're not going to let you die, but Jesus, as painful as it was, as much as Jesus wanted that cup to pass from him, he knew that that was God's purpose over his life and to have somebody in his camp telling him, no, no, we're not going to let you do that, he becomes a stumbling block instead of a stepping stone because he knew that Peter did not in that moment was not operating as a vessel for God. That was a vessel for the enemy. And that's why he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And sometimes that's why we have to separate ourselves. As much as we love people, sometimes that's why we have to speak the truth because some of those people that that are around us, are surrounding us, that even though we love them and they're our family and our friends and our coworkers or whatever... We have to begin to recognize that the enemy is using them as a stumbling block. And that the truth needs to be put forth on the table. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. He tells the Pharisees, Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This ain't a pretty package. This isn't patient and kind. But it's still love. Why? Because it's truth, because it's convicting, because it brings people into understanding who God has truly called them to be. That's love. Don't get it twisted. You know, I'm going to say this last thing and then I'm going to wrap up. God was showing me this, um, giving me this metaphor about the kingdom and how, you know, I think about dishes. Think about a set of dishes that you have and you've eaten on these dishes and then you leave the dishes in the sink and food dries up because you didn't put no water on them dishes, Right. Or you've got a casserole dish that you put in the oven and there's stuff burnt all around the edges. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to just sit that dish in the sink and let it soak, right? And then we go, I'll come back the next day and wash it. But here's the thing. Sometimes just soaking doesn't get the job done. Sometimes. You need to scrub that stuff off of that dish. You see, and in the kingdom, we have decided. So many of us have been carrying wounds and hurts and issues and offense around in our hearts that it's become encrusted on our hearts, just like those dishes. The hearts of the people are hardened and encrusted with stuff. And secrets and giants that we don't want to face. And we decide, let's just put a little water on it and let it soak. And hopefully, if they keep coming to church, or if I pray for them, or if I, um, if they are just in, in, in the atmosphere of the spirit, all that stuff is going to come off. No, sometimes the people need a scrubbing. That means there's something that you need to address firsthand, one-on-one. It's not just enough to come and sit in a pew. If that were the case, all of us and our lives would be transformed just by coming and sitting in a pew. The people need a more hands-on approach. To help them get clean. It's not enough to just soak in water anymore. There's a scrubbing. That needs to happen. In the kingdom. But we got it twisted. Because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to disturb nothing. We don't want to make nobody uncomfortable. But here's the thing. Ain't nobody getting clean. People are getting clean. People are sitting in church pews for decades and their hearts are not changing. Their lives are not transforming. We're not growing. You know, my, my home church, our, our, our founding pastor, um, and I know it was from God, This the mission of the church used to be bring them in. Grow them up. Send them out. That aligns with the Great Commission. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But we're so busy wanting people to fill the pews. We don't want to grow them up so they can be sent out. Because then there'll be less seats in the pew or maybe somebody will raise above the platform that we've got. Our leaders are afraid. That if they truly equip the people, grow them up and send them out, move themselves as the middleman and teach them how to have a true relationship with God for themselves, that it's going to take away their platform and their influence and their power. But let me help you. A leader is only as good as the people who follow them. And if the people ain't rising just like you rising, then you are a crappy leader. If the people's lives aren't being transformed, then your leadership means nothing. Nothing. But we're so busy trying to maintain power and influence and and, and stuff and, and notoriety and platforms. That we are letting the people fall through the cracks. Because we don't want to rock the boat. Because we don't want nobody to leave our churches. Because it's all about the numbers. Oh, I got this mega church. I got this number of people in the pews. I I got this number, such and such is so. And I got million dollar donations. That don't mean nothing. The price of a soul. You can't put a price tag on that. And how many souls are suffering because we got it twisted. It's time to right these wrongs. It's time to face these giants. It's time to expose the truth. Don't get it twisted.